listening to the New Paradigm Life Coach Podcast, hosted by Michelle Schuler-Key, produced by Julie Bugin, and brought to you by NewParadigmLifeCoach.com. Hi, everybody. This is Julie of NewParadigmLifeCoach.com. I'm subbing in for Michelle this week, and we have a wonderful, very special guest this week. Um, she is Hannah Borababy of TempleGaia.com, and she is going to share with us a little bit of information about uh, her life, her work, and her take on the Divine Feminine. So first off, I'm going to start with, um, tell me about your name, Borababy. That just makes <laughs> me happy to even say. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you first and foremost for um, having me, allowing me to be a part of this. It's such an awesome opportunity to be building, you know, this web of women who are on the sacred path, you know, doing the sacred work, coming together to support each other with our platforms and our networks. So I'm really excited to be able to plug in and, and be a part of this. So thank you. Excellent. So thank you. Thank you for being with us. Yes. Um, in terms of my name, well, it's um, the original pronunciation is actually Borababi, but I started saying Borababi several years ago because I um, just started really resonating with um, with the energy that that carries. Mm-hmm. I for a while there was identifying as kind of like the midwife of the revolution or the evolution. I do come from a long line of midwives. My mother um, was a midwife um, in England for many years. And um, so, you know, there's something about that energy mm. of, the, of the sacred midwife that I do feel like I carry. Although in this lifetime, my focus isn't so much on helping to birth babies, it's helping to birth the new earth, which oh, is really the baby nice. that I feel like so many of us are carrying in our hearts. So the original Arabic is Abu Rababi, which means um, the master of the Rababi, the Rababi being a stringed instrument. And when my family immigrated over, they changed it to Borababi, um, somehow thinking that Americans would have an easier (laughs) time saying that. Um, And so I've reclaimed it as Borababi and just really um, love Sharing that story. It is a musical name. It's really beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for asking. And so your um, website is Temple Gaia. You want to spell that? Yep. So it's templegaia, G-A-I-A, dot com. And um, on my website, you'll find information about the healing sessions that I offer, the workshops that I offer, um, and I am also working on putting more videos and online courses out as well. So there's a lot of good stuff on there, templegaia.com. Excellent. And you also have a Facebook page, is that right? I do as well. And my Instagram also is at templegaiatantra. Okay. So tell us what your title is. What do you call yourself? I call myself a tantric healing artist. Okay. <laughs> um, for many years, I was saying a tantric healer. But then what I realized is that, you know, I'm not actually the one who's doing the healing work. What I'm doing is helping to create a sacred and safe space um, and to offer a healing presence for people to do their own deep healing work, especially in relationship with their bodies and with their um, sexual energy and their sensual, primal, vital life force energy. So Gaia in Greek mythology is the earth goddess and she is the one who really birthed creation through her union with the cosmos. And for me, um, you know, although Tantra itself is a Hindu lineage, the word Tantra is a a Sanskrit word, um, aspects of Tantra can be found in pretty much every indigenous spirituality on the planet. And it's really about this marriage of opposites coming together to create this portal for creation to come through. And for me, the earth itself is this phenomenal portal that our spirits have chosen to come into um, so that we could have this experience of embodiment and of of creation and of sensuality and this plane of existence. So what I do is help people to detach from the artificial matrix of of culture and religion and and what I mean by religion is, is dogmatic religion mm-hmm. as opposed to authentic spirituality um, and really tap in with life force and um, and I call it the spirit matrix that we can always be drawing source and inspiration from. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. So um, I think that for a lot of people may not even know what the word tantra means and for those who do, they might have a, a certain... Um, 
uh, idea about it. So mm-hmm. would you go a little bit more into what you mean by Tantra? Absolutely. And it's a really good question because a lot of people have um, different takes, as, exactly as you said, on what Tantra is. And there are still academic debates going on about, you know, what is Tantra? What's the original lineage? Who founded it? What does it entail? So, you know, I can really only speak to my understanding of Tantra, which has come both through, you know, years of study and practice, as well as um, sacred remembering of past lives, you know, being mm-hmm. part of the Tantric mystery schools of, of Egypt and of Greece and, um, and remembering, you know, what it meant to actually be a keeper of this knowledge um, that, you know, helps to inspire in others this intrinsic awareness of our own spiritual energy and our spiritual power. So, you know, when I speak about Tantra, um, I am, you know, bowing to this ancient knowledge that was really passed on orally um, originally in the Indian subcontinent, although it rose up somewhat simultaneously in Egypt and um, in Asia as well. So there are different tantric schools that we see that kind of emerged around the same time. And this was before, you know, documentation was really a thing. It really was an oral tradition where there was a keeper of the knowledge who took on apprentices and step-by-step initiated, um, you know, their students into these sacred rememberings. And because sex magic um, and sexual energy is such a powerful creative force, this was knowledge that was really kept close in these schools Mm. and wasn't really that widely shared until, you know, the colonizers came in um, to India and, you know, kind of made their way into these mystery schools and discovered that here in these temples, there was this spiritual practice where, you know, different from what we were experiencing on the European continent, which was this separation between spirit and body, Mm -hmm. you know, this demonization of sexual energy and sexuality is something simple, something, um, you know, that the the devil tempts you into. Um, Here were these people who were living in community, practicing sensuality in a way that was really deeply spiritual. And so because of the nature of our own repressed society, these scholars kind of grasped Mm. on to this (laughs) as like a sexual practice Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, brought that back with this emphasis on things like Kama Sutra, you know, really exotic sex. And so that's what we um, in the Western hemisphere have come to sort of view Tantra as. However, those who follow the Tantra path see it more as being about a way of engaging with life itself particularly our relationship to our own um, spirit and our own bodies, which are the temples that house our spirits and how as we develop this deep connection with this own you know, magic that's alive inside of us, how that then allows us to engage in this deeper relationship with um, the people around us, with the people who we come into connection with, particularly our lovers and our partners, um, as well as the earth body. So, you know, when the Vedic um, conquerors came into India and brought the caste system, they actually co-opted the indigenous spirituality that was alive that had been originally created by people who were living very close to the land and who were seeing that there was magic in nature, there's medicine in nature, that all of life is a dance of creation and that this creation is very sensual, it's very much based in the act of being embodied. If you see, you know, two cats come together on the street, they will either, they will test each other's boundaries energetically Mm -hmm. by by hissing or raising their backs. And then they might just start rubbing up on Mm -hmm. each other. And that is how they develop a sense of connection that says, you know, I'm here with you, you're here with me, we're good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, humans were seeing this as something beautiful and sacred and very natural and finding ways to weave that into their own lives. So the word Tantra itself is Sanskrit for weave. And what I, what my take on that is that it's about helping to weave this idea of spirit 
in with nature. So it's the union, the divine union of the cosmic forces of heaven and the earthly forces of matter, mater, mother, mm-hmm. and, um, and seeing that all blended together into one incredible tapestry. And that when we understand this, and then we understand that our sexual energy, our desire is the driving force of creation, whether it's creating a baby or creating a work of art, mm-hmm. that, um, that it's all the same thing. It's all the same dance and it is all sacred. What a wonderful way to think about that because, you know, we think as, as kind of spiritual beings we manifest, but the idea of weaving is so much more uh, accessible mm-hmm. than, uh, than this idea that we're just going to think thoughts and they're just going to come into being. Absolutely. That we can think thoughts and then here are all the raw materials that we need to weave those thoughts into into the the physical structure of the world. Right. And the nature of being embodied in this 3D realm Mm -hmm. is that if we want to create, we have to actually take the action steps in the 3D realm for that creation to come through. And many would say that um, the earth is actually the training ground for other less dense realities where what we think we actually automatically do create, Mm -hmm. but that one of the powers of being embodied on the earth is that we learn about the power of our creative energy and we learn how to slow down and be really intentional about what we think and the energy that we're putting out there because that is what will ultimately materialize. But we get to have this incredible playground um, to learn that so that we're not immediately just creating chaos. Right. Kind of like right. our, our um, godly training wheels <laughs> in a sense. That's wonderful. And so you um, you offer workshops and practical um, practical learning. So what I'm finding is the older I get, the more I notice that, yeah, I've read a thousand books. I've watched a thousand videos. I've watched a thousand, I've listened to a, a million lectures. But until I'm willing to slow down and live it and embody it, all this knowledge just sort of passes right I don't even want to say through me. It almost passes over me. Absolutely. Yes. And that, I think, is one of the powers of Tantra, is that it is actually an embodied practice. Um, it allows us to you know, shape our experience through this new lens you know, of seeing ourselves as spiritual beings, having a human experience. But at the end of the day, if we're not present in the experience of living, of being embodied, then we're only getting half of the picture. Mm. And there are two types of knowledge. You know, there's the knowledge that we learn and there's the knowledge that we live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say that um, to know and not to do is not to know. So, you know, what I do is I try and find ways to really weave magic into my day-to-day life to see everything from, you know, poison ivy rash (laughs) to, um, you know, to ritual as the same thing, that it's all part of this of this human dance and um, and to find ways to really practically weave in these little pinpoints throughout my day to um, to remind me to tap into source tap into spirit and that by taking those moments you know so if I'm washing the dishes Mm -hmm. taking a second to actually bless the water and you know imagine it flowing through the pipes imagine the stream that it might be coming from offering gratitude for that then it actually turns something as mundane as washing dishes into something that's sacred you know and and that I'm I'm joining with the elements with my intention to cleanse and clean Mm. and, um, and create, you know, a a safe and sacred space for the people who might then walk into my kitchen or or eat off of those plates. And isn't that incredible that, that all it takes really is paying attention is setting your intention. And I think that's one of the things that we have such a hard time with. Um, and we're constantly talking about how we're a distracted society. We're distracted. We've got a lot of things, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's, anything that we created. I think it's, we've always been, human beings have always been distracted and, and easily distractible. <laughs> um, so really the, the sacred arts have all been about learning to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And so that's a wonderful thing that you're, as you're embodying that with your students, you're also showing them, all right, this is how I do it in my life. I'm not, uh, it's not something that's already automatic for me either. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I actually came to Tantra because um, I had orgasmic blockages, Mm. and 
um, was really disconnected from my body. And so much about this path is really um, the act of presencing, presencing our mind and our spirit into our bodies so that there can be this sense of flowing through the world in that um, integrated alignment of all beings, being fully present with all beings um, within ourselves, you know, because we all have these different aspects of ourselves. And, you know, sometimes the mom is... is um, is competing with the lover or, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, our shadow aspects may be competing with our lighter aspects. But if we see it all as sacred and start to be really present with what is up when it's up, um, allowing that to be without resistance, then it becomes this dance, you know, with our own spirits mm. of, of healing. But it does require us to be really present. You know, if I'm washing the dishes, thinking about all of the other things that I need to be doing, um, then I'm not enjoying the act of washing the dishes. It is just one more task on my to-do list. But if I allow myself to take pleasure in, you know, the feel of the warm water or the joy of of walking into a dirty kitchen and making it sparkle, Mm. um, then it just becomes this whole other thing. But it, it does require that all parts of me be there contributing um, all at once. Otherwise, my spirit is split, my attention is split, and I'm not giving um, due diligence to to where I'm at in that given moment. And that's really where the creation happens. It doesn't happen yesterday. It doesn't happen tomorrow. Creation happens now. Right. So sitting down and planning and writing your to-do list really isn't going to get you there. Well, what it will provide is the roadmap to help you get there. You know, it will provide the internal spaciousness for the, um, you know, for the inspiration to come through so that you're not holding on to all of the tasks on that to-do list. Instead, you have written them out, you have your structure, you know where you're trying to get to, and then you can relax into the act of getting there and enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey as you go. And that is that celebration of duality. You know, that mm-hmm. is the freedom within the structure, which is also what Tantra is about. It's about taking these dual forces, these polarities um, that are a part of nature. You know, we've got the sun and the moon and we've got the earth dancing between. We've got hot and cold and we've got that perfect, you know, mm. bath water in the middle. <laughs> so um, it's finding... You know, celebrating the opposites, but then finding that sweet spot in the center where those those forces come together so that portal can open and the creation can happen. Yes, that sounds wonderful. Well, how did you personally come to Tantra? How did you, you said you, you had orgasmic blockages. What, what, was, what was it about Tantra that called to you? So I read um, a book on numerology called The Life You Were Born to Lead. Mm-hmm. And um, in that book, it talked about um, Tantra as being a um, an important life path for 37 tens. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that's my numerology. And um, 37 tens are all about passion. We're all about creative energy and we're also very sensitive beings. So it said that, you know, our sensuality is really tied in with our creativity and that Tantra um, as a path would be worth pursuing. So I remember, you know, sitting out on a friend's porch, drinking coffee one evening, mentioning this to her. And within a week, she had tagged me on a post in Facebook that Tantric (laughs) Retreat was moving back to town and they were looking for an administrative assistant. So, you know, I sat down with um, Denise Greenfield of Tantric Retreat and her partner. And within moments of talking to her, I realized that she was giving me a framework for something that I was already exploring in my own life. In particular, you know, what the meaning, um, what the purpose of the masculine was. At this point in time, I had a lot of wounded relationships with men mm-hmm. and um, was really asking the question of like, what the fuck are men for? You know, like, <laughs> right. why is it just hurt? Is it just pain? Like, what is the purpose of the divine masculine? I get the feminine. I've got right. her. I've got my sisters. You know, sometimes our relationships are hard, but we're working it out. There's love and support. What is the purpose of men? Right. So, you know, I asked that question and, you know, sitting down um, with Denise and having this conversation about what the essential nature of the divine masculine is and how that can be in harmonious relationship with the divine feminine. It was speaking this language of my soul, of what I desired to experience. And so... um, 
you know, within moments she'd offered me the job and mm-hmm. um, I started training with her. And I did a week lo- a weekend long training um, and then it just happened to actually be my birthday month. Mm-hmm. And as part of a gift to myself, um, my dear friend at the time and I bought tickets to go and see Rising Appalachia and NACO and Medicine for the People mm-hmm. um, play at Leaf Festival, which is a local festival in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, these two groups um, at that time were really influencing me because they combine elements of indi- indigenous spirituality with sacred activism. And this awareness that, you know, as we join together with the elements, with the earth and with tribe, with other people who feel this resonance, we're creating a movement. And that movement is about um, helping to shift the systems that Mm. our planet is being held by so that we're actually working in harmony with nature and we're helping to reverse the impacts um, of of pollution and of unconscious consumerism. So... um, with a little bit of help of plant medicine, <laughs> I actually ended up having um, what was my first orgasmic experience um, as Nako was playing that night. Ah. And um, it was entirely musically and energetically induced. It was because of the vibrational frequency of, um, of the music that he was putting through. Um, it was also um, related to my connection with the land. Lake Eden is just absolutely magical. And I just had this moment where I could feel the ancestors and the mm. spirits of the land gathering together. Um, and this music was ceremony. It really was. He was calling in the directions. Um, he was filling it with intention. And, you know, I was just feeling all of this energy and actually seeing this energy spiraling in to the center Mm. of this tent and raising up almost like a storm at the apex of the tent. And then he struck this chord um, of this music that I'd been listening to. And I just felt my chakras like click, click, click into Uh. place as this um, blasts of like lightning energy um, came, you know, through my crown and clicked my energy centers into place until I felt this shaking in my pelvis. And I felt a lot of fear because I'd never felt that before. Uh, I didn't know yeah. what I was experiencing, but I just heard this voice inside of me say, let go. Mm. So I relaxed my body and I felt this gushing mm. sensation and I screamed. <laughs> and then he struck another chord and I felt this another other convulsion and I screamed again. And it's like all of a sudden it was like he was playing my body, mm-hmm. he, um, which was united with my spirit. And it just like catapulted me into this prophecy where like I was the divine feminine and he was the divine masculine. (laughs) And if he just saw me, then he would recognize me and we would birth the revolution. Right. And, um, so I actually ended up like rushing the stage and it was a really really interesting experience. Um, but you know, ultimately what came from it was this awareness. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, you can feel, feel there's energy moving even in telling this story. Right. It's like things around my heart are unlocking. So um, the ultimate awareness that came through was that um, it was that I am incredibly sensitive to energy, mm-hmm. and that my sexual energy, which up that was the first um, they call that a kundalini awakening, mm-hmm. and um, it, you know you classify it kind of as a top down kundalini ener- um, awakening when it comes from your crown and right. down through your body. You can also experience them rising up. You can experience it coming out of your, your heart. heart. Um, so, but you know what that awareness brought for me was that my sexuality was actually really tied in with my mission mm-hmm. on this planet, mm-hmm. um, which is about you know helping to bring. Um, people back to their bodies because when we come back to our bodies then the next natural step is to come back to the earth body and start to care about what is going on with the earth and you know where our resources are coming from where they're going to um, you know it's really hard to to be 
consciously connected with your body and not start to care about what you're eating and where that food is coming from. Right. Um, and then once you start to care about where your food is coming from, you care about, you know, the land that is growing it and that there are resources available. And it, it creates this kind of snowball effect of just having to care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, because my heart is so connected with the earth, um, feeling a sense of, of, um, of openness, you know, of feeling like I was held in tribe, like there are other people who care as much as I do to my, to me, that was orgasmic and combined with that, the frequency and the vibration, um, of the music that was, that was channeling these messages. Um, it was just, you know, such an awakening and enlivening experience and after having just come through my first Tantra training, it was like in that moment, it all made sense. Mm. I got it. I understood why I was here. Um, I understood that, you know, my, my body, um, had been numbed out from years of really rough sex for men who had been initiated into sexuality through porn Mm. and didn't really bless their hearts. No. Um, how to to be with someone who is as energetically sensitive as I was and so what my body had done was armored itself but when I started to tap in with the energy um, particularly the heart energy uh, my body started to wake up Mm -hmm. again and so it's still a part of my path you know I'm still trying to work out my own energetic blockages where orgasm is concerned and I know that surrender is a huge piece of it feeling Mm -hmm. safe to surrender yeah Um, but somewhere along the way of you know practicing and learning for myself I kept getting these opportunities these calls Mm -hmm. to teach and to share well and and there's no teaching Uh, you're you're not a good teacher if you've never had to overcome obstacles that's it there's no you know, there's, you're not going to be helpful to anybody else if you came into the world and, and it was easy because then you have no compassion for people that it's not easy for. Oh, totally. You've got to be sick to appreciate the medicine. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm going to ask us to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the divine feminine. Are you curious about A Course in Miracles? Let Julie Bugin, a 14-year course student and teacher, guide you through this life-changing curriculum in a one-on-one setting. Sessions can be held face-to-face or online via video chat and are currently available for an introductory rate of $50 an hour. Visit newparadigmlifecoach.com and send Julie Bugin a message on her About page to schedule a session. This is Julie Bugan again, and we are back with Hannah Borababy of TempleGaia.com, and we're going to shift our focus a little bit from this wonderful conversation about Tantra to uh, how does that fit in with your ideas of the Divine Feminine, and what is your idea of the Divine Feminine? Mm, What a beautiful question. Well, what I'll say in that regard was that, you know, I was raised in the Catholic Church, Mm. And, um, Me too. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Here we are, baby, healing it. Exactly. <laughs> Recovering Catholics. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember um, feeling kind of bitter about the fact that there were always men talking, mm-hmm. um, that we were always talking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And some, even at a really young age, there was this part of me that was like, wait a second, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. But, like, where did the Son come from? Like, didn't she need a mother? Mm -hmm. And it didn't make sense to me that Mary wasn't included in Mm. that trinity. Mm -hmm. So even at a young age, I started to identify with Mary as the goddess, as the Holy Spirit, as, Mm. you know, the counterpart that helped to bring... um, this divine being into this plane of existence. And I guess as Catholics, we were slightly luckier than other denominations that we actually had Mary. We did. Because I remember that from growing up, everybody asking me, did we worship Mary? And we didn't, but we got to have her. We got to have the divine mother. Totally. Um, That other denominations just didn't even have that, that touchstone of a woman being in a position of not so much equality, but equity with men that were just as important as a man. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, being a little girl, feeling scared at night, 
um, imagining her in the room with me with my head on her lap and her stroking Mm. my hair and falling asleep, you know, to that awareness that I was being held, Mm. um, which, you know, I just didn't feel that same connection with God or with Jesus. Somehow I I had the sense that, you know, that Mary was the safe one, that she really got me. Right. Um, You know, and over time I've come to develop more of a relationship with Yeshua, um, Mm -hmm. which is the Aramaic for Jesus, and to understand God as the counterpart of the divine feminine um, and, you know, understand that all of those energies work together. You know, you have the masculine and you have the feminine and as those energies join together you know that's where the creation unfolds mm-hmm. whether that creation is Jesus or or healing or orgasm right. <laughs> you know whatever it everything is. exactly so I see goddess as being you know very much um, the bringer of life into existence and she does need a counterpart. She does need that divine masculine to help to spark that life. But at the end of the day, she's the one who um, who holds that spark and allows it to gestate into something living. She's the one who harnesses the power of birth to bring that life forth. And she's the one who nurtures that life until Mm. it gets to such a point that it has the skills and the knowing of how to nurture itself and go forth to live. So the goddess energy to me, the divine feminine energy really is, um, you know, the force of of nourishment and of, Mm. of creation on this planet. And, you know, it's taken years for me to also really embrace the divine masculine and understand what the divine masculine purpose is and that that is to to help to support the feminine mm. who is life itself the feminine is life and so the power of the masculine is to guide that life and protect that life and provide a safe place and nourishment for that life to to unfold mm. and that when that understanding is in place that we are all really here to serve life itself um, that there is just you know incredible sacredness and in, in those forces being able to come together so a lot of people particularly women since the feminist movement have really you know, um, upplayed the importance of the divine feminine right. as this kind of pendulum swing response to these um, patriarchal religions that have really cast out the divine feminine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what Tantra does is it, is it really brings these two back into union. Um, and then the other piece of it that I want to speak to is that when I was getting confirmed in the church, I really wanted Mary Magdalene to be my patron oh. saint. <laughs> Um, because, you know, here we were with Mary the Mother, this incredible, compassionate being. Right. But I was feisty. I was yeah. fiery. I, I needed a woman who I could relate to on that level as well. Right. Um, Not just a submissive feminine, but the active feminine. Absolutely. And I would say, rather than submissive, that Mary is, is receptive. She's, True. She's yes, this you're lunar absolutely right. feminine. Yes. Because she was still a rebel, you yeah. know, in her own way. Yes, she, <laughs> she, she didn't she take birth- the easy path. No, she did not. Um, she birthed a baby at a time when she could have been killed for it. Yes. And so, um, you know, so I honor her for that. But Mary Magdalene, to me, she's this red goddess. She's this fire mm. goddess. Um, and I remember that at that point she hadn't been ordained a saint yet. Mm. So they weren't, they didn't permit me to um, use her as my patron saint or invite her to be my patron saint. And, um, and that's really something that, you know, created this spark in me to be like, all right, well, if this religion isn't going to let me embrace both aspects of this goddess, and weave those aspects of myself, um, you know, into fullness, then I'm going to go and find a path that will. And um, goddess is really that path as I started to connect with the different archetypes of the divine feminine um, throughout different, you know, spiritual paths. Um, it's that has really awakened inside of me, those different archetypes. And it's so much fun to get to dance and play. That's magnificent. I, I'm just thinking about you, what you're talking about. Um, I remember from about that same time in my childhood, maybe a little bit younger, having a, a little book of the saints. And all of the female saints were pure and good. Every last <laughs> one of them were pure and good. And I couldn't see myself mm-hmm. as any of these. I certainly wasn't pure and I certainly wasn't good. Mm-hmm. But that 
I can see where that is the the foundation for my repression of mm. all the feistiness, all the argumentation, and you know, and my family just wants you to sit down. And, you know, all adults <laughs> at that time just wanted you to sit down and shut up and leave mm-hmm. them alone. And so, to be a female at that time, um, I was quite a bit earlier than you were, but still, it's that was what our messages were, Absolutely. and to reclaim that. Um, that that women can be an active participant in all of in all of creation is mm-hmm. uh, is huge. Absolutely, and the goddess Lilith is really the one who mm. did it for me. Um, you know, because in some of the oldest versions of the Old Testament, she was actually created at the same time as Adam, mm. um, but she refused to stay put in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> she was constantly escaping to go and fornicate with demons. <laughs> And Adam had to keep calling the angels to bring her back until finally he complained Mm. enough um, that God created Eve from his rib because Mm -hmm. then Eve didn't have a direct connection with the earth and she needed the um, the man to guide her. Interesting. And so many actually say that it was Lilith who came back into the garden disguised as a snake and the snake is um, the ancient symbol of the goddess because it is all about regeneration um, and fertility. Mm -hmm. And has been the symbol, you know, since Minoan societies of the goddess. So mm-hmm. many say it's also um, the symbol of Kundalini yes. energy, of Shakti, yeah. sensual energy. So they say Lilith came into the garden and she's the one who invited Eve to eat this apple so that Eve could actually feel for herself right, wake up. that direct connection with mm. sensual living. Mm. And, um, yeah. And then all hope works loose. <laughs> totally. But under, I but you know, I got Lilith. Like I totally yeah. I understood her and um owning that archetype of that rebellious feminine mm. um who they say she went on to be the mother of fairies and vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Which is tantric in and of itself. You right. gotta have the light and the shadow. Absolutely. So yeah, she's the one who really helped me break out of that cage and, and come into my fullness. So how do you coach or assist men in this process of, of divine feminine and uh, we're, we're hearing so much these days about as you said the pen, the pendulum swinging back um, towards more of the divine feminine and there was a time certainly in the 70s and the 80s where you're looking around going what what are men for so how is it that you're in your practice you're assisting men mm-hmm. with both their divine feminine aspects and their divine masculine yes well, the most important piece of it is understanding that um, as ch- as harmful as patriarchy has been for women, it has actually been as equally damaging for men. Right. And that there are messages around masculinity that um, makes it really, really hard for men to actually um, find and experience a fulfilling relationship both with themselves as men mm-hmm. um, and with other men mm. and with women as well. So really it comes down to being a compassionate feminine presence who understands um, an aspect of the masculine experience enough to um, to provide a safe feminine presence for them to start to process and feel the emotions of what it means to be a man trying to navigate this very challenging, um, you know, time on our planet. And the most important piece is understanding that patriarchy is not the same as masculinity. The patriarchy is the immature um, boyhood mentality um, of dominance and that the true nature of the masculine is to be um, the safe space and presence and grounding rod for the feminine to flow forth in all of her freedom Um, and that men have both the god and goddess energy within themselves in the same way that as women we have god goddess energy within ourselves so developing healthy ways to find that balance and come into connection so many of the men who come to me are just hungry for for love particularly mm-hmm. from the feminine mm-hmm. and um, you know sometimes we'll go as far back to their relationship with their mothers or right. with you know their first loves and find the places where that um, sense of connection is as well as where did that disconnect happen mm. and how can as um, you know in, in sessions I really 
open myself to embody just the divine feminine energy to be the embodiment of the goddess. Mm -hmm. So as that surrogate, in a sense, how can I be um, a presence to help to heal that disconnect? Mm -hmm. And then how can I offer, you know, concrete tools for men to learn how to slow down and start to treat themselves as lovers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than treating their sexual energy as something that is really shameful, something that's caused pain um, or, you know, discomfort either for themselves or for partners in the past, but rather how to embrace that primal energy, but also soften with it, be connected with it and and bring that energy from the root up into the heart Mm. so that that is the place that they can come from without without creating a separation because a a lot of men have created a sense of separation between their sexual energy um, and their heart center and circumcision in our um in our society is actually a huge source of Mm. that um because imagine suffering that kind of pain as an infant i mean what what that what that transmutes to your psyche about yeah. about this part of your body. Absolutely. Like, mm, cut that off. Don't want to think about that. Well, Don't and feel that. to be taken from the arms of the woman who has birthed you and immediately be subjected to that kind of pain, mm. um, the amount of, of betrayal yeah. and um, an anger that comes as a result of that, that most men just don't even know that it's something to be upset about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to have a woman there, to be able to acknowledge acknowledge that experience and say okay like let me hold you as we together heal the Mm -hmm. trauma of that experience and start to replace it with the felt sense of what connection is what true heartfelt connection Mm -hmm. is yeah I can imagine that's a that's a a such a shift for energy of a lot of men who have Mm -hmm. never even known that that was something that they were allowed to want to allowed to be um uh longing for absolutely you have these feelings but you can't connect them with anything real or concrete because all of that is shameful and all of that is unmasculine yes yeah and I will say a lot of men come to me thinking um that they're looking for a sensual experience an erotic experience and at the end of the day all they want is to be held right and seen and told that they're okay Mm. isn't that amazing that we all basically at at the core want exactly the same thing we just want to go back to mama Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely i mean that incredible and and even to this day i i can i feel that in myself when i'm sick or when something's wrong you just that's that primal I want my mother I want my my mama and and you know even if the the mother the physical mother that you had wasn't the embodiment of of that longing you you want even something deeper than that you don't want this human being that that birthed you want you want that love and that connection to the divine feminine exactly that's magnificent Mm -hmm. all right we will take another quick break and then we will come back and talk about um, any any last thoughts and uh, wrap up so that Michelle will not shun me from ever doing this again because we're <laughs> going to go on for two and a half hours. <laughs> change is inevitable. Sometimes we seek it out, and other times we find ourselves adapting to a change we didn't choose. But either circumstance can be a path to growth. Join New Paradigm this September for your own growth experience as we host two distinctive retreats. Become a certified Theta Healing Basic DNA Practitioner or join us later in the month for So Your Life Fell Apart, a retreat specially designed to support those experiencing a major life transition. Whatever your place or direction in this shifting world, we're here to help you adapt to the new paradigm. Visit www.newparadigmlifecoach.com to learn more. All right, so we are back, and we've been talking with Hannah Borababy on The Divine Feminine, and again, her website is templegaia.com. Um, so Hannah, in our, uh, in our discussion so far, we've talked so much about The Divine Feminine and The Divine Masculine and, um, and the damage that we've, that we've all suffered, I mean, just through being human, just through being born. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, women, women and men in general, like how we can support each other? Mm. Yeah, well, I think that 
Um, the most important thing to start to play with um, at this point in time is this idea that gender is actually fluid. Although, you know, Tantra embraces um, masculine energy and feminine energy, within each of us, no matter what body we were born into, we have the balance of both. And there is this sweet spot where those energies blend into neutrality. Mm. So that, you know, depending on what the situation calls for, we have the power to, to call one or the other forth within ourselves. And so as we start to see our brothers as sisters and our sisters as brothers mm -hmm. and, um, you know, opening to the gender spectrum, then it starts to actually dissolve the sense of separation that we have. I also think that having, you know, more conversations based on consciousness where we share our stories, our stories of being born a man and what it's been like to grow up in this culture, our stories of being born a woman and what that means for us um, without blaming, mm -hmm. you know, realizing that there is a, a force at work that is actively working to separate us um, because as we come together, we're just going to become that more... Uh, that more powerful mm -hmm. <laughs> and that there is a huge dialogue in our culture and our society that is geared towards keeping us fighting right. amongst ourselves because the power of the masculine and feminine coming together is creation. Mm -hmm. So as we start to have more dialogues, as we start to create more safe spaces for um, us all to come together, no matter what body we may be in, to, um, to have these healing conversations and to engage in ritual together, to vision about the world that we're wanting to create um, and to heal the wounds that we carry, both from our lifetime, from past lifetimes, ancestral wounds, that really that coming together is the biggest most important thing and that we can provide that space mm -hmm. for one another that there can be safety in and being in one another's presence and and feeling each other that's such a, a wonderful way to put it and I've never heard it said that way that the the male and female polarity is is working towards a neutrality rather than farthering your your pole so the answer is not to become more masculine or to become more feminine but to become um, something that can pull both sides in together and and uh, the neutrality is where is that where the creation happens? Is that I would say so. I mean, I would say creation also happens in the polarity. It right. all depends, you know, yeah. on the dance. Um, you've got to have a lead, and you've got to have someone following in order to have a tango. Right. right. <laughs> um, but when it comes to creation, when it comes to visioning, when it comes to coming coming together around a common goal or a common intention, seeing ourselves as connected and all one, and working towards the same thing, but all having individual gifts to bring to the table mm. um, is the power, right? And so yeah. that's where the creation happens. And for me, you know, it's not about losing our masculine or losing our feminine. It's actually about bolstering both equally. Mm. Um, you know, it's not about having the masculine bow to the feminine. It's about having someone so strong in their masculine that they don't feel threatened by mm -hmm. the power of the feminine. Or having a woman so embodied in her femininity that she doesn't mind bringing her masculine forth mm -hmm. a little bit but finding that place where these two forces are balanced and equal enough that then they can just relax and work together right. and we're all carrying our weight that's magnificent so the idea of you're not trying to work harder you're not trying to put more masculine or feminine out there you're just trying to get comfortable in what the way that you were created exactly Exactly. And then supporting the part of ourselves that needs growth mm -hmm. and um, the part of one another that needs growth, but doing so in a way that's not shaming, right. you know, because you can't tell a man to be a man, mm -hmm. you know, if he's feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like trying to slap a Band-Aid on a wound that's infected. But mm -hmm. what you can do is say, okay, where are you feeling insecure? Where mm -hmm. is that insecurity blocking your ability to show up in your full masculinity? Mm -hmm. How can we support that insecurity in being transmuted into confidence mm. and, um, and going forth from there? Right. So we create a safe space for vulnerability rather than shaming or, or subverting it. Precisely, yes. Because the vulnerability is, you know, that place where we just want to be seen. We mm -hmm. just want to be held. And then once we're held in that space, then we have the power, then we have the confidence to flow forward. Excellent. So 
getting back to you personally and your work. <laughs> so you're out of Asheville, North Carolina primarily? Yep. I've had my little temple space in Asheville for quite some time now. However, um, this is a huge month of transition for me. So I'm going to be packing my temple up mm. into my car and I'm going to be hitting the road. Um, mm. And I go to different festivals and I create a temple space um, for people to you know, come together and, and learn and practice Tantra. And I also offer healing sessions as well as distance coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on some online courses that I'll be putting out as well. So Asheville has been my home base for about six years now, maybe even seven. I've been really rooted in there. She has activated me in incredible ways, but now I feel mama sort of like nudging me out of the nest. So, you know, if there are listeners who would like to um, invite me to come and, and share any of, of this work, then they can reach me through my website, templegaia.com, G-A-I-A.com, uh-huh. and let me know because I will be packed up with everything that I need to offer sessions and create sacred space and um, and really ready to start to spread this message. Excellent. Spread this so work. you'll be spending the summer and maybe the fall too um, going around the mostly East Coast and... Well, I'm going to actually start by heading to Portugal. Ah, okay. well, <laughs> not so much that. Yeah, there's an incredible intentional community there called Tamara, um, which is based on the principles of sacred sexuality and sacred activism. So I'm going to go and learn with them for a bit uh-huh. and then take what I learned there and come back here and, um, and you know, start to spread the word, spread the message. And ultimately, my desire is to find some land where we can create a religious community that mm-hmm. is based on those same ideas of sacred sexuality um, and sacred activism and bringing you know healing relationship into interpersonal dynamics as well as our relationship with the earth okay. so um, yeah if there's people out there who have Excellent. land that right. feel encouraged right. about this vision then contact me as well so <laughs> and and for listeners who want to keep up with you and where you're landing at your various points temple guy is the best place to do that that's the best place to do it i'm in the process of compiling a mailing list so that people can be kept abreast of um, what i'm doing and where i'm at but you know i do a pretty good job of keeping my events page updated so um, anyone who feels called can pop on there and just Excellent. see what I've got going on. That's great. Well, I so much wish everyone could have seen this this uh, this interview rather than just listening to it because your expressiveness and your ability to connect with your eyes and your body and your enthusiasm has just been beautiful mm. to watch. And I hate that I was the only one who got to see it, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Oh, well, thank you thank so you. much for talking to us today. This has been magnificent, and we really look forward to seeing where you land and hopefully we'll get to come back and talk to you again um, at another point in your journey. Thank you so much. I really have enjoyed our conversation today and I look forward to whatever unfolds in the future. Excellent. All right. Well, this is Julie Bugin from newparadigmlifecoach.com. Again, we've been talking to Hannah Borababy of templegaia.com and templegaia Facebook. Please check her out. Please also check out um, newparadigmlifecoach.com and check and keep uh, checking back for all of our new uh, retreats that are coming up and all of the events that are happening and keep listening for more podcasts. You're listening to the New Paradigm Life Coach Podcast, hosted by Michelle Schuler key produced by Julie Bugin, and brought to you by NewParadigmLifeCoach.com.